Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm excited about tonight. Whenever Tad called me up and said that he was going to be commissioned tonight and asked me if I would like to speak, I was terrified. <laughs> I am a missionary. I'm not a pastor. My gift is the gift of helps and works. You might have guessed that. As I, I, It wasn't something Tad drug me along. I absolutely loved to work, and especially for the Lord. <laughs> so that was a pleasure yesterday on my part. I really enjoyed that. But I was wondering, well, what would I talk about for the commission of Tad? And then I thought of Joshua and his commission. And I found it very interesting that as Moses was about ready to die, Moses himself told Joshua, you are going to lead the people of Israel across into the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Now that was some good advice for him. Just 40 years before that, the children of Israel saw the giants and decided that they couldn't handle it because they was looking at themselves and not at God. And so they didn't cross that Jordan River. All of us need to be willing to step out in faith and step over to trust the Lord, not in ourselves. The giants were still there, but so was God. So at the end of Moses' life, he says, be strong and courageous. And then before Moses died, the Lord himself commissioned Joshua. And he told him, be strong and courageous. And you'd think, now, there's some pretty big walls over there. There's giants over there. They far outnumber us. You've got to be strong and courageous. But that wasn't what God was talking about. God wanted Joshua to be strong and courageous. As a matter of fact, Joshua was told six times to be strong and courageous, once by Moses, and then four times by God. And the fourth time that God told him, be strong and courageous, he gave him a little bit more of a glimpse of what strength and courage is all about. God is our strength. God is our provider. We only need to trust in him. God told, told him, Joshua, you need to meditate on my word day and night. And then your way will be prosperous. And then you will succeed. It wasn't that he needed to build up his courage to be able to fight giants over there. He needed to build up his courage to be a leader of God's people, to do what's right, and to always look to God for his direction. We can see the one time whenever he didn't ask God for help, and it got the children of Israel in trouble for a long time. But right after God told Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous and meditate on my word day and night, Joshua 
went to the children of Israel and said, okay, folks, in three days, we're going to cross the Jordan River. You need to start preparing yourself. Now, the children of Israel had been going, doing this routine for 40 years. If that fire moved from the temple at night, they moved. If a cloud left the temple in the daytime, they moved. They didn't need to spend three days packing up their clothes and belongings to get ready to cross the Jordan River. They needed to spend that three days to get themselves right with God. This commissioning isn't a one-time person. The pastor doesn't stand here alone. Tad is going to be a deacon. But it's all of the people here that need to stand together and to keep themselves dedicated to the Lord for this church to be successful. And Joshua wanted them to spend three days doing it. This morning the pastor talked on Daniel and his three friends not wanting to defile themselves, make themselves unclean. Joshua is telling the people of Israel that very same thing. Get yourself clean and right with God. You don't want to be defiled in any particular way. And you need to keep your focus on God, and you need to obey God. And so they went across the Jordan River. All the men got circumcised again. And then God gave them the instructions on how to go up against Jericho. They didn't have to do a thing. They just needed to follow God's instructions on that. But as we know, God told them, all of the silver and gold is to be dedicated to me. Nobody else. All of it's to be dedicated to me. And yet there was one person in the camp who, whenever he was there, saw a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, some nice cloth. He thought, who's looking? Nobody's going to see me. Wow, this would be really nice. And so he took that stuff and hid it. Had Joshua asked God, should we go up against Ahi, God probably would have told him right off the bat, no, you've got sin in your camp. But they didn't. Oh, we've got our confidence up. We can conquer the world. And so they went and tried to conquer Ahi. But God wanted them to know that they needed to be a people set aside for him. They needed to dedicate themselves and follow his instructions. So as we know, Ahi, I mean, God showed them who that person was, but it was just one insignificant person in the camp. Every one of us have a responsibility for following the Lord if we want this church to prosper, and I certainly want the church to prosper. I want the youth to grow in this church. They are your future, the servants of the Lord. And so they got themselves right with God. And sure enough, Joshua was fighting battles all of his life. His one instruction, be strong and courageous. Meditate on my word. Tad, I think that you're very strong and courageous. You've demonstrated that 
as I was raising you, I gave more and more responsibility to you and dropped more and more of that responsibility for myself because I wanted you to be a man of God. I was raising you to be a man, not to be my, a boy forever. It's one step at a time, and we need to do that with each one of our youth to raise them up to be godly men and women for God. But after Tad finished up with Bible school, he called us up and asked us if we would be proud of him if he was a Marine. And we told him we would be proud of him on whatever job he chose as long as he placed God first in his life. In fact, we would be very proud of him as a Marine. But then Tad got his first challenge. He passed the test really easily on taking a test to see if he was mentally capable of being a Marine. Yes, and yes, he's very strong. He could do all of that. But the challenge wasn't that. There was one little check mark on the form that he was filling out. And the person there was helping, the recruiter was there, and Tad said, well, yes, I've had asthma as a child. It was just childhood asthma. Well, do you ever have it now? No, I don't. Well, then you leave that and say no. Do not check yes on that, because if you check yes, you may never get to be a Marine. Tad had that challenge, and he talked to us about it. And I could tell that Tad was struggling but I wanted it to be his decision, not mine. The same as I want him to be following the Lord because he knows that that's what he needs to do in his life, not because dad tells him to, because he's a man. And just before he was going to go, Tad made that decision and said, I need to correct something on that form. I didn't check that I had asthma as a child, and I did. It cost Tad a fair amount of money because he had to pay for the doctor's bills and the specialist to say that, yes, he was okay. And he knew that by checking yes, he may never get to be the Marine that he wanted to be, but he would certainly be the, God, the man God wanted him to be by doing the right thing. Those challenges come before each one of us every day of our life. And King David found that out, and he made one bad decision. It affected the whole country. Each one of us are challenged. I remember one time whenever I was going through um, one of those inspection stations going back into California, and a person had just given us a little basket of plums, and they were good plums, too. And he said, did you bring any fresh fruit? And my first impression was to tell him No. But he could tell just by the look in my face, he says, I'd like to look in your toolbox. And I was thinking, Lord, thank you. I was getting ready to sin against you for a handful of plums. How easy it is for us to fall off and do the wrong thing. God wants us to meditate on his word day and night. Each one of us who know God has a Holy Spirit inside of us. He's going to convict us if we're meditating on God's word, if we're listening to God, he wants us to do the right thing. And so, 
Tad, you need to be strong and courageous. Each of you need to be strong and courageous in your lives because for some people, you're the only one that they will ever see to represent God in their lives. And your actions will affect whether they want to go to church and come and find out what you've got special that they haven't got. And I think of, I thought of Jeremiah also. Jeremiah was commissioned by God before he was born. God told Jeremiah, before you was conceived, I knew you. I had raised you up. And Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm only a child. I don't know how to speak to him. God says, don't tell me you don't know how to speak to him. I'm going to be with you. Only you need to do and say exactly what I'm telling you to say. Well, Jeremiah had a dilemma. Nobody, I mean nobody in the church, liked what Jeremiah was saying. And so we see in chapter 15 that Jeremiah was losing his courage. He said, I don't lend people and I don't borrow from people, but everybody's mad at me. No matter what I say, people are mad at me. I'd rather die than keep on living. You know what God's response to him was? Jeremiah, you need to tell the people what I say. Don't tell them what they're ears want them to hear, you need to tell them what I say. I'm, there's enough yes men in the churches. There's enough yes men in the world. But you need to keep your focus on the Lord and say exactly what I'm telling you to tell them. They're not going to like it, but they need to hear it. And so I believe that each one of us, members of the church, you have to hope that your pastor is telling you the right thing. You have to hope that other people are telling you the right thing. But you won't know that unless you're in God's Word and checking out what God has to say. So, Tad, you need to be in God's Word every day. Meditate on it day and night and think about God. Because it, it isn't the words that people want to hear. It's God's words. That's why you need to be a leader is to follow God in that. And I'm sure you'll do that. Each one of us make mistakes. Each one of us falls. And I can just smile and say, saved by grace. It's God's grace that draws us back. The worst sinners there was, God showed them, if you'll only come back to me, if you only repent and turn back to me, I will be with you. And so, I want you to be strong and courageous, Tad. At the end of Joshua's life, he could say, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Each one of us need to choose that, who we will serve. But also remember that it isn't just you. It's your children and their children. In Joshua's time, he could say, so he, Joshua served the Lord all of the days of his life. 
and his children served the Lord. And then things went bad because they lost their focus. We each need to keep our focus on it. We each need to raise up our children to serve the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. At this time, I've asked uh, Tad and also Brittany, they would, to come up and share their testimony. I don't know if you want to come together, one after the other, whatever you want to do. Looks like they're coming together, so... Which one's going to go first? You are. <laughs> That's a good way to answer that question. <laughs> I'll uh, speak from here. Just uh, standing up there, half that empty didn't seem quite right. Um. I was uh, raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents, uh, as long as I was alive, had been following God and had been attending church. And uh, as a result of that, I was saved at a young age. Uh, I didn't know everything there was to know about being a believer, but I knew the basics, sort of like my daughter, who's uh, been baptized here in this church. And uh, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. However, Unlike my daughter, I did not get baptized right away. Um, continued in the church, went to church camps, went to um, vacation Bible school, did all the things that you know people growing up in churches tend to do. And um, I enjoyed it. I, I liked going to church. I liked learning about God. Um, <coughs> but uh, I wasn't, uh, hadn't completely turned my life over to God, I don't believe, because I hadn't. Um, I believe, now made that step of being baptized. I hadn't surrendered in that next step. I was sort of in rebellion, even though I was still doing all the things that a believer should be doing in church and outside of church. Uh, and uh, that pretty much continued all the way up until uh, sixth grade. And around sixth grade, my parents decided to join the mission field, which had a fairly significant impact in my life. Uh, we moved from Alaska, and the next couple of years we moved three or four times, including living on the road for about six months. Um, and we did homeschool for most of that time, and or uh, homeschool before that in a couple different public schools. So I had a whole bunch of transition in my life, and uh, that had a pretty big impact. Uh, sort of changed uh, some of my viewpoints. I went from... Uh, being isolated in Alaska with, you know, just a couple of friends to being constantly introduced to new people. And uh, I think that has a pretty strong impact on you. And uh, by the time I was in high school, we'd moved to Venezuela where my parents uh, were going to work. And uh, in Venezuela, I went to a boarding school. That's where I attended high school. Uh, my uh, graduating class was enormous size of two people, <laughs> of whom I'm proud to announce I was top of my class. Um, but uh, because it was a boarding school and all the students who were attending there were sons and daughters of missionaries, it was basically a huge youth group that you couldn't leave. And uh, all the events were mandatory. Um, 
and that was actually a really good experience. It, uh, there were some really good leaders there. The teachers I had were uh, completely sold out to God. They loved teaching. And uh, uh, my math teacher in high school pretty much uh, is the one that inspired me to want to teach math later on in life. I uh, realized how much of an impact she had on my life and how much she changed me my views on learning and math. And I decided that I wanted to have that impact on other people as well. After graduating high school, I decided to uh, go to Bible school, a two-year Bible school. Um, at that time, in the back of my mind, I was thinking I wanted to join the military. And for me, if you're joining the military, there's only one, really only one branch you could join. And uh, <coughs> um, so I attended two years of Bible school, and my intent there was I knew that joining the military, I'd be surrounded with people who did not share my belief system. And it would be the first time in my life that I'd be around people, completely surrounded by people who not just didn't agree, but were hostile to what I believed. And I thought that two years of studying the Bible intently would be exactly what I needed to prepare myself for that sort of experience. And uh, looking back on it, I'm very, very glad I did. It uh, gave me a foundation uh, far beyond what I was able to get in high school, even surrounded by all these believers and constantly in youth group, basically. It was uh, a great, great experience, spending two years dedicated to studying God's Word. Um, once I joined the Marine Corps for the first time in my life, I... Uh, did not attend church. I did not attend church for basically one year. Now, that one year was in training, so boot camp and follow-on training and follow-on school from there, because the only schools available, uh, the only churches that I could actually get to without a vehicle were chapels, and uh, within the first couple times, I decided I didn't want to go to a chapel. Um, I understand some people have had great experiences with them, but for myself, they... Uh, were lackluster. They, they were afraid to preach what I think they knew to be true. Um, so I sort of started getting into the habit of not going to church. And uh, we got to San Antonio, which is where I was, my duty station was. And uh, one day, somebody came and knocked on my door, who happened to be Brittany Labor, who, yeah, Harrison at the time. I didn't really know her that well. Uh, I'd seen her a couple times, and other than that, I didn't have much of an opinion about her. She was in the Army and didn't really associate with that sort. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, she came and knocked on the door, and she said, uh, I uh, heard you uh, had a church to go to here. I was like, you did? I'm like, yeah, I heard you talking to somebody else, and you said you got a name of a church from uh, your brother in San Antonio, and you were going to go there. I was like, I did. Uh, what's that to you? And she said, well, I, I really wanted to go to church too, and I'd appreciate it if we could go together since I don't really know any places. So be basically because of Brittany, I went back to church for the first time, and um, we kept going to church together, and the rest is pretty much history there. Um, it wasn't, however, until probably a few years after that um, that uh, we were married and uh, 
we were actually visiting my brother in Greece who's getting married, and I decided that I needed to get baptized. It had just been sort of growing on my heart that if I really wanted to serve the Lord, I needed to make that first step. And so I got baptized. Um, probably what made me want to get baptized the most was uh, we just had our first daughter, Catherine, and I realized that I needed to uh, be the type of parent that my parents were for me, godly, uh, leading, showing me what it was to be a good Christian, to be active, to be involved. And up to that point in the church we were attending, I had been passive. I'd been a pew sitter. I went to church and then I went home and that was pretty much all I did. And I didn't want that to be my daughter's experience with church. I wanted her to enjoy church and be involved, but I wasn't that involved. So I got baptized. My dad actually baptized me and uh, it was uh, sort of, I don't know, transformational, but Pretty much right away, doors started opening for me to become involved in ministries around the church. And I, God started using me. He started to work through me in uh, ways that previously I just thought, no, nope, I'll never be able to do that. So I believe that uh, if you're sitting knowing God wants you to do something and you're refusing to do it, until you do that, he's not going to do anything else through you either. He's just going to wait until you decide he's right. Um, and uh, through that, we began teaching a Sunday school class for college and career, and then we moved into the youth briefly, and then now we're moving back to college and career. But uh, um, I'm really thankful for the experiences, the influences in my life. Uh, I'm glad Pastor Jody and Monica came back. They had a strong influence on our lives, and uh, for the people that uh, uh, helped shape us to to get to where we are. I wrote mine, so I'm going to read it. He told me I wasn't allowed to talk a lot, so if you know anything about me, I find rabbit trails everywhere. So I wrote mine down. <clears throat> and Brittany, by the way, in case you missed me. I, I was saved around four or five years old. I was baptized when I was eight. I've always been involved in church. I was raised in a mostly Christian home. My dad is Catholic, and my mom is regular Baptist. I was raised for Southern Baptist. You never know about them. Well, I'm crazy. And here we are. <laughs> um, my stepdad got saved shortly after he and my mom got married. And so he was, and they got married right before I turned four. So around that same time, I guess. Um, and when I was 10, my father told me that he's gay. And I cried for an hour after he told me that. And I couldn't tell him why. I had no idea why. And I think now I realize that because at such a small age, I knew that that wasn't God's perfect plan for life. That's not what he wants for us. And so that's not how he wants mankind to live. And so I knew. And that and it broke my heart. Um, my dad kept asking if I was okay. And I told him yes. <laughs> But I couldn't stop crying. Um, my mom and my stepdad, they've been married since I was three and always encouraged me to be part of my dad's life and to love him. And to this day, we have a pretty good relationship. He was a couple weeks ago. Um, and, I, and I pray that 
our relationship and the way that I treat him and the way that my church family treats him will point him and his husband, Daniel, to Christ. Um, And I mentioned my childhood because I think it formed my convictions. It's helped me to be stronger in the faith and rooted and to do research in the word and to find out why I feel this way and what what God wants me to feel. Um, To be firmly rooted in scripture is really what when I was 18, I joined the Army. I made my fair share of mistakes. When Tad met me, I had uh, my hair was finally starting to grow in. I had buzzed it all off during basic training. So, yeah, I made some interesting choices. <clears throat> I met Tad at school. He mentioned that he was talking to one of his, uh, his friends, and he said that he went to Bible college and that his brother gave him a name of a church in San Antonio, and that's where he was going to go. And so, apparently... He missed that memo. <laughs> but I met him at school, and we started dating in 2005. We got married in 2006. He's 21 and 23. <laughs> now Tad's 32, and I'll be 30. Man, I'm feeling old. <clears throat> um, so now I'm standing here telling you that I've had some serious ups and downs in my adult life, but I've seen God's hand in all of it. Um, I have my melancholy days full of tears, but God has taught me to let them come and seek the joy and laughter in life and to only dwell on the things that are pure, lovely, true, noble, excellent, and praiseworthy because God's peace rests in these things, not in the things of this world. I praise God for my ability to be here, to be home this past year. I went from being a part-time mom, full-time soldier, to being a full-time mom, and it has made all the difference in the world. Um, I pray that I'm an encouragement to all of you in some small way, but maybe in a big one, and, um, <laughs> and we're very excited about what God has next for us. So. Yeah, I know that God has different talents that we don't even know about for people. Just the other day, I had the privilege of talking to Brittany on the phone. It was just a conversation. It wasn't anything about anything particular. And she got to sharing that she was on, and I forget the, what you call the team, but uh, that, what was you over where you did the counseling and so forth? What, what was it you was involved in? Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, she had a lot of experience through the military of, of helping people that had needs. Uh, you know, wives that the husbands are gone and so forth and this kind of thing. And I'm sorry? I still didn't hear it. Rear detachment. I don't know why they call it that. Don't ask me. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's what they call it. So, But anyway, it, uh, as we was talking, I thought, you know, what a what an asset that is in a church. I mean, she's dealt with things like that. And she was a, a counselor in the sense, I guess is what you call them. And so it just, you know, it's just amazing how God puts people in the church that we don't even know what talents they've got, and all of a sudden it comes alive that this is a talent or a gift, if you will, that God can use. Real quickly, though, I want to share a few words. Now, you know, I, I pick on our deacons quite a bit, but I really believe in all sincerity, as much as I pick on them, and I've told you before that, you know, there's, you know, the old saying, what are deacons good for? You have to pay a preacher to be good, but a deacon's good for nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> with all joking aside, I believe the church cannot be the church unless it has good godly deacons in it. 
And I believe we've got some good godly deacons this church. I believe I've seen them serve. But I want to impress upon Tad, first of all, that being a deacon is not an authoritative position. It's a service position. You're called to serve. You're called to serve these people. You're called to serve this church in whatever capacity it may need to be. And that's a big issue. I know that there's churches that, uh, you know, we've all seen them and all heard of them and perhaps all been involved in them where the deacons ran the church. You won't find that in God's Word. It never was meant to be. The deacons had a specific task to meet the needs of the people, to take care of the people, to help them any way they could, be a go-between the pastor and the people, if you will. And so that's the, the reason for deacons. Yes, in the Old Testament, I mean, the New Testament, they talked about that they were serving tables. No, we don't do that anymore. We don't have a commune anymore like it used to be. And so that's, that part of it is not quite the same. I guess they could serve the tables anyway if they wanted to. But it's, it's, not a, it's not an authoritative position like some people want it to be. And I also think that because of sometimes when churches go through trials and tribulations and challenges, that they automatically turn to the next leaders in line, if you will. And that becomes, we, we put the deacons in a position they shouldn't be. But God never called them to be the leaders of the church. They're to be spiritual leaders, like all of us are. But, Tad, a deacon is not to be an authoritative position. It's to be a position that serves. Let me read you what it says about deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a, deacon, of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperance, temperate, sober-minded, of good, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy of money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, covetous, one who rules his home, his own house, with having his children in submission, with all reverence, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And then it goes a little bit farther. And it says, and down in verse uh, 9, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Now, even before I came here, I understand that the church, had, or the deacon body had set aside the Tad as a possible candidate. And for a period of time, he's been tested. I don't know how long it's been. It's been at least eight months, I know. I don't know how long it was before that. But there was a time that they watched and watched how he communicated, how he volunteered, how he did all the things, both of them, not just one of them, by the way, and how they participated in the church. And that was the test that was given. And as you very well know, the last business meeting just a few weeks ago, the church recommended he be called as a deacon. So obviously, the church saw good qualities in him and said, we want to make him a deacon. And so that's where we're at tonight. And so I want to impress, number one, it's not a position of authority, but also he's to be a father to his children. A deacon, just like any man, ought to have God number one, his family second, and the church third. I believe that with every ounce of my being. 
uh, as I shared this morning with you, I didn't live up to those standards. I put the church above my family, and my boys suffered because of it. It's hard being a preacher's kid. It's hard being a deacon's kid sometimes. And so we need to be aware of that, and we need to love them that much more. So I want to just share just a few points about what it is. First of all, we're to serve. You're to serve your spouse. You're to serve your family. And you're also to serve your church, Ted. Every part of it ought to be a, a life of service. The best way you can love your children is to love their mama. The best thing you can do. And the church, I believe, comes third in that rank. Not because it's that much less or anything else, but because this is the way God set it up. God set up the family, the home first, even before he established the church. And so consequently, we're to be faithful to our family. We're to show them the concern. We're to give them the needs they have. We're to meet their needs. We're to, all the different aspects of it. Your wife, you're to be to her a good and faithful husband. All the things that go into a marriage. He's to be that above being a deacon because that's the first priority. First of all, it's to God. Be faithful to God. Second is to be faithful to your family in so many ways and see how it turns about. But then we also, he's to be a hero to his children. You know, it's amazing how that dads, when kids are little, they just, I mean, they think dad can do anything. I mean, I was Superman. I was the best baseball player in the country. I, just, I mean, I, I just whatever it is, Dad was it. But then about the age of 13 or 14, they begin to think, Dad doesn't know anything about what's going on in this world. But, yeah, I've, I've come full circle now because now my boys are grown. One's 40 years old. One's 30, will be 35 this year. And now I've found out that they begin to realize Dad made mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes. But yet so have they. Every one of us make mistakes. Don't expect your kids to be perfect because they won't be. Don't expect them to live above everybody else because they can't. Under the spotlight of being a deacon, sometimes it's a bright spotlight for them to live up to. And that's hard. It's challenging. Don't expect them to go through that without some trials. And so we have an obligation, number one, to God, number two, to our our families, and number three, to the church. Don't spend all of your time up here, Tad, working on the church or anything else for that matter. Save enough time for your family because it makes a difference. It will in the long run pay off in greater ways. I'm not saying don't work up here. <laughs> don't come up and do things. <laughs> but just don't spend so much that you're so tied up at home, at the church, that you can't give to your family because that's the priority you've got to make. So with these things in mind, as we voted just a few weeks ago in our business meeting, it's been recommended that Tad Laver become an active deacon of this church. That was already decided. So now all we have is the ordination service. You've heard their testimony. In just a moment, I'm going to get them to come up and both of them sit down these two chairs we see here. These are not sacred chairs. It doesn't do anything to them. It's not going to make them any better or any worse. If it would, it would straighten out Britain real good. But we can't do that. But now, I'm, I'm kidding, but it's... But it's, uh, you know, perhaps there might be some questions you'd like to ask. We're not going to grill them on anything, but just to, perhaps you've got a question that you could ask one or both of them. Okay, would you all come up here and 
sit down in these chairs and face the firing squad police, I mean, uh, the congregation police. <laughs> now, remember, don't, don't ask any deep theological questions because you wouldn't want one asked to you. So <laughs> but does anybody have any questions? that would, They've been tested. They've proven their faithfulness. Does anybody have any questions they'd like to ask them? Here comes the microphone for them. So Tad was hoping he didn't have to answer any, so it doesn't matter. So <laughs> anybody at all? Anyone at all? <laughs> yes, I still like CB after we're done with that. <laughs> Anyone else? I've been well. <laughs> the core. <laughs> joined but uh, people didn't appreciate that then either <laughs> she wore a Marine Corps lanyard for about two years while in the army before anybody said anything too but I was too chicken to join the Marines so I joined the army anyone else anyone else anything at all I could, but I think you'd be better. <laughs> Anyone else? Sure. <laughs> Thank you, Jerome. Where's Jody at? Jody? Where you, we're back there. No, uh, other Jody. Jody, over here. Former pastor over here. I see why you Go left now. That's, this military is uh, that's tough. So. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. That's right. If there are no other questions... What we're going to do now is I'm going to ask our deacons to, first of all, come up and just come around them, just one at a time, and just lay your hands on them and pray for them. It doesn't have to be a long, thought-out prayer. And then I'm going to invite anybody else to come up. And then at the end of the service, I'm going to ask Brother Jody if he would come up and dismiss us. Would you do that? All the, all the active deacons right now, if you would. As soon as they return to their seats, if you would like to get up and come around and just to have a short prayer with them and just go back to your seat, 
You're welcome to do so at this time. Anybody else? Just come ahead. I do understand there will be a short reception back in the fellowship hall as soon as we dismiss here. Before Brother Jody dismisses, though, I'd like to, uh, Chad, y'all can go back and be seated if you want to, unless you're just comfortable sitting there. <laughs> it, uh, just before service, about 530, Rocky called, and his sister was taken, to, uh, his daughter was taken to the, was it granddaughter? Who? His daughter was taken to the hospital, and so we don't know the details. He hadn't texted me back yet. But uh, be in prayer for him. And also, Mark Wheelis's, Mrs. Yutana's daughter passed away today. Uh, she was in a nursing home, I believe, where Celia works. And it, uh, what's her name? Joanne Wheelis. So be in prayer for them. Uh, just got the call this afternoon. In fact, Jerome called me. And it just, uh, but be in prayer for them. I'm sure that's where Mark is tonight, as well as uh, Miss Yutana. And so be in prayer for them. Any other prayer requests before we dismiss? Before we came here back in August, I called this guy and talked to him a little bit. And I didn't believe all the bad things he said about you, but they were, but they were true. They were. <laughs> you, you're right. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed talking to him. He gave me some straight answers and some, I mean, he didn't pull any punches. He, he said, you got to watch out for you know, certain ones. And I've, I've already ran into that. But it, no, I, I'm kidding. But he, he did a, you know, real good and just, and he had a love for this church. I could tell that. And so I'm glad to finally meet him in person. But also, I'd like to ask him tonight, if he would, to dismiss us as we uh, leave here and go to the Fellowship Hall. And just, uh, I know he's a big part of this church, a lot of history. They still talk about you. And, you know, I just, uh, I think they're ready to call you back, if you know the truth. But it's, <laughs> 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 their words were that we went from bad to worse. So just, <laughs> but it, uh, it's, it's always good to get to know former pastors. And I know y'all have a love for them as well as they do for y'all. So I'm going to ask him if he will to dismiss us tonight. And then we'll just go in the Fellowship Hall. And Brother Jody, whatever you want.
Well, thanks for the gracious uh, welcome we've had tonight. What a blessing it is to be back here and to reconnect with many of you. And, and, uh, and an honor to be here for Tad and for Brittany and, and uh, of course, to meet your pastor. What an honor and blessing. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? And, and uh, let's give God all the glory and all the praise for what he's doing in the church. Father, we come to you as almighty God. And we give praise to your name. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Prince of Peace, the great I Am. And we worship you this night. Father, it's not about positions. It's not about titles. It's about being obedient to your word. Father, your word reminds us that you've set aside this office, this position of deacons to serve in the church, to, to help the church to function even. Function in a manner of serving each other, loving each other, and getting to experience how great your love is for us. Father, I pray tonight that as we have laid hands on Tad and as we uh, give him over to you, that we know that you've already ordained him. Lord, you have ordained him in your presence. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to just verify that here this evening. We thank you for the testimony of, of Tad's dad. We thank you for Tad and Brittany's testimony. Father, we thank you for our testimony that we can declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, and stand upon your promises. Father, I pray tonight that as we all move forward from this day on and the various roles and, and positions that you've called us to. Help us to always be mindful, Lord God, that there are no uh, bench sitters on your team. Help us to be reminded, Lord God, that, that when you call the church, it's not Robertson Avenue, it's not First Baptist Malakoff, it is your church. And we are called to do your work. Help us, Father God, as we leave this place and leave other places to always be a witness for Christ. To live out the testimony within our hearts. To live out the, the life, that the new life that we have received in Christ. So Father, I pray tonight that as your blessings continue to fall upon Robertson Avenue, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to raise up leaders. Raise up strong encouragers. Raise up servants within this body of Christ. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you honor. And Lord, we couldn't do anything at all without you. We thank you, and we praise you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.